Midlife Moxie. We are a community and podcast all about midlife women making this one of the best seasons of their lives. Well, I'm one of your hosts, Gail. And I'm Christina. We're going to be sharing our stories, struggles, and joys while bringing you experts on topics that you care about. And we're going to do it while having a whole lot of fun. So buckle up, girls. Let's get our Moxie on. Welcome to another episode of Midlife Moxie. I'm your co-host, Gail. And I'm Christina. And we're going in a different direction today. We have found a lady, gosh, who truly has Moxie. And I'm just so in awe of her when, when we heard her story. What about you, Christina? Oh, yeah. Well, she had my heart when she said military. Now, I want you to think about, like, I don't come from a military family, so I always feel a little bit um, out of place there. I don't know. I know that military families and people who that's been part of your life understand that way of life. But to me, it's completely foreign and it in some ways feels very overwhelming and frightening and I just can't even understand it. And to find a woman who is a beautiful midlife woman, but who spent 20 years in the military, retired out. Mm-hmm. You just don't hear that a lot, or I don't. Do you, Christina? No, not at all. And the one thing that I can say about the military that really binds us all together is you hurry up and wait. <laughs> that is our common theme. Hurry up, wait. <laughs> One of few things just going into today's show, I have a terrible head cold and I know I talk kind of flat anyway, but I am aware that is to a new level today. And so the shows we're recording, you know, you're not here for my voice, let's face it, or you'd have quit long ago. You're here for content. And of course, every week, um, my neighbor decides to fell a tree. Today, they've decided to blow their leaves. So just enjoy that. But without further ado, we want to welcome to the show, Kat Corchado. So welcome our new friend. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you, Gail. And thank you, Christina, for inviting me. Um, This is going to be fun. Yes, I cannot wait to talk time. to you. You're such a beautiful woman, so composed. Oh, thank you. I just don't see you running around shooting the bad guys. But yeah, <laughs> she's got the okay. So can we just lay it out for everybody? She's got this nice caramel glowy skin <laughs> and these beautiful green eyes. I'm like, okay, superstar, watch out! Like, get I out mean, of the beauty, way. Beauty and a badass. I mean, yeah, all in one. Seriously, your I husband. Your I husband is. Like, yeah, that's my wife. That's mine. That's your new book, Beauty and a Badass. Yeah. Beauty okay. and a Badass. Tell us about, okay, um, you spent 20 years in? Yes. What branch? Air Force. Whoop, oh. Air Force. Repping Air Force over here. I'm an Air I Force do mama. like some Air Force. <laughs> yes, so what did you do? What did you do? Let's start from the beginning. Why did you join the military, Cat? Well, I'll I'll go back a little bit further. I I was born into the service. My dad was already military Air Force when I was born. So um, I fill three buckets. I actually can, I'm a military brat. I was a military spouse and then I'm a veteran. Wow. And so- You're the triple threat. The triple threat. I know. <laughs> wow. I, I just found I that out. About. I just found that out. I was just That's like, kind oh, of a wait. thing, isn't it? It kind of does <laughs> yeah. run in families, doesn't it? Is, isn't that a thing or am I imagining yes. that? Um, maybe some, you know, some I've, I've met who did go in the service because of, you know, a family member. Some of them went uh, the opposite direction. Like maybe their, their, you know, parents were, in the army and they went Marine Corps or Navy, mm-hmm. you know, they I, went I totally that different were military rant. families. Yeah. Is being yes. a military family a thing? Cause I think it's a thing, but I make up things in my head. So is it a thing? Kat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There is such a thing as a military family. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you, it, there's this bond that you have with other military families that you don't get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And when I was growing up, you know, being on an air force base, you know, there was, no one was getting on that base. You could leave your kids in the yard playing with the other kids, you know, yep. and you could go and go shopping and come back and your kids were still there. Um, I'm not so much, I'm not so sure that. you could do that. Yeah. yeah that's you, that's you how had it that, is. 
that's that sense of security, you know, yeah. but um, when I went in the military, I would love to say that I had this sense of duty and honor and, and no, <laughs> I needed, honestly, I needed a job in the worst way. Mm. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I thought I will go in the air force for four years, count them four years mm-hmm. um, to figure out what I wanted to do in the meantime. You know, I had my child, I said I could, you know, uh, support my son and figure out what I want to do. And I ended up staying 20 years. Well, no, was there pressure to go in? Yeah. Was there pressure to stay? No, there wasn't pressure. You know, when I went in, my parents laughed and were like, yeah, right. Okay. We'll see how long this lasts. There was no pressure to go in. Um, there was no pressure to stay. I think the pressure was on that. I put myself under the pressure because every time it was time for me to re-up, it was always, we were getting ready to PCS to another, you know, um, state or country, you know, or my son was, you know, changing schools and I'm like, oh, I can't get out now. Cause they're, you know, he's in middle okay, school. Go now, back to PC, PCS. I know <laughs> that's something change of station. Is that what that permanent means? Changes, permanent change of yes, station. Permanent change of station okay. is what it means. So that means moving to a completely different state, maybe a completely different country. So what and was so, your... Well, let me ask you this. What was your job title in in the military? Like, what was the first one? Because obviously you retired out, so there was probably a, a lot of different growth, you know, stages within your uh, your career with the Air Force. What was the first thing that you were like, hey, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm going to do this. What we just it? want to know if you were like a top gun. Like. Oh, n- no. I was, people always ask me, they're like, oh, did you fly planes? I'm like, I wasn't that important. <laughs> oh, you're important. Anybody you in the military you is are. important. Yeah. Well, let's be clear. No, I was, I was in communications. I was nice. the person. So back in the day, we used to, um, there was a, a whole office where we would get all the messages from all over the world. So we're talking, you know, secret, top secret. So I had a top secret clearance. And what what was great was that we knew, Uh we knew everybody's business on base. We knew who was getting busted, you know, who's getting out for drugs, who's getting court-martialed, who's who's That's in Minot. Everybody, everybody (laughs) at Minot is like, on cocaine or some sort of substance, just saying. And, and it, it was very cool. Well, now they do it in such a way where it's encrypted. Now you, you know, you all you mm. know it's coming to your base because your each base has a code, and you can't tell who who from what because it's in this this well, encryption. Dang, but that kind of takes the fun out of it, huh? I, I know. know, right? You're like, um, Ooh, the, I other, know your the other hard part. So was, was it? Be fair to say that it was kind of like HR. No, we were in a totally, because we we had a clearance, we were in a room or a building that had no windows. So you never knew if it was, yes, (laughs) because, because it's a, it's a classified area. And so you could walk in and it's sunshiny and walk out and then it's snowing and you're like, what just happened? But the one thing I didn't like was that it was uh, 12 hour shifts, Mm -hmm. you know, and my body come, you know, nine, 10 o'clock. It's like, let's go to bed. Hello, let's go to bed. And, and you have to stay up until five or six in the morning is just really, really so, difficult. So you were doing mids. Were you doing mids? We did, we did uh, two on, two off. So you would do um, two daytime shifts, shifts, two days off, and then two um, mid shifts and two days off. Yeah, that's my, my future daughter-in-law. I think that's her schedule right now. And that's brutal. And it, it is. It's and it was my son's schedule for a while until he became a raven, and now he's got the regular nine to five. But that takes a toll on your body. Now, how old were you? This was yeah. your first assignment. Yeah, how old? Uh, twenty-two. I went in late. I didn't go in eighteen, but you know, I'm, I always tell people I'm late to the party, but I always show up. And um, <laughs> but my first my first tour of duty was Azores, Portugal, and oh, I remember. Beautiful. I, but I remember calling my father in tears because I couldn't find it on the globe. Remember globes, you know, yes. back in the day. Yes. And he said, "Do you see those three little dots right there?" And he goes, "You're going to be on the big dot." And I was like, "No, I don't want to go." Really, <laughs> Portugal is supposed was, to be phenomenal. The Azores Islands was wonderful. are beautiful. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was in hindsight, it was the best first 
base duty um, that I could have gone to. I mean, to. it could have been yeah. like Fayetteville, North Carolina. I mean, <laughs> high, humid. My, my cousin's yeah. there. Um, so, yeah. so tell us, how many how many duty stations throughout your um, your career were you were you at? Because I know mm-hmm. you have your first duty station within your first four years, and then where mm-hmm. did you go after? So I, I went to the Azores, Portugal. Then I went to... Loring Air Force Base, Maine. Okay, so we're talking so far north that even people from Maine go, ooh, caribou, really? We were five minutes from the Canadian border. Oh, okay. Wow. Yes. It's a little yeah. different climate. <laughs> yeah, it's little, cold. <laughs> just a little bit. And I remember going to work and my boss had orders and he held him up in his hand and he said, who wants to go to Turkey? And I said, is it hot in Turkey? And he said, yes. And I raised my hand. I said, I'll go. Yeah. So that was my third duty station was Turkey. And Turkey's oh, nice. beautiful, right? Turkey is, oh, it was, I, yeah. it was wonderful. They have the best pistachios. Oh mm. my. I never, I never ate chips the whole two years I was there. I ate pistachios. They were awesome. Oh, wow. They were amazing. Right. That's awesome. And then from Turkey, I went to Offutt Air Force Base, um, Nebraska, where my son, I think, was in grade school and he went through the entire school system. I was there for 12 years. Oh, in well, that's Nebraska. what a blessing. But wait, but what a blessing it was for him not to have to go to stability. All these, yeah, there was very much some stability. And then also with the Air Force, that's just reinforcing the stability, right? Of, of what you're doing in your household. So that's yes. kind of cool. It was, it was good for him because Nebraska had some, gr- I mean, I, I, I don't know if they still do, but they had great schools. Just mm. their school system was right on point. So I wasn't mad. And I also met my husband there, so I can't be mad at that either. Well, there we <laughs> go. Yeah. It does seem a little less glamorous than the Azores, not yeah, going to lie. Just, I, yes. Yeah. Now, now I, did your son go with you when you were stationed uh, in, in the Azores or? Well, what, what you have to do is if you have a family, you have to go over first mm-hmm. and then get established as far as getting a house and getting all of that other stuff. And, and then you can bring your family over. But I want to backtrack just a, a, a minute when I went in on delayed enlistment. So that means that I signed paperwork in 1979, November. I went on active duty in March of 1980. And I remember in boot camp, we have to fill out all this paperwork. And, you know, they said, what is your, um, not marital status? What is your family status or something like that? You know, do you have any kids? And, and I said, yes, you know, and I put my son's name down and I got called into my training instructor's office and he goes, how did you get in as a single parent? And I was like, I don't know. Y'all let me in. Okay. I don't know what to say. <laughs> and what I, what happened was that the Air Force now, in January 1980, stopped single parents from coming in. Now, that doesn't mean you can't come in. It means you had to have, um, I don't know, a power of attorney to, you know, some, you know, to have your, someone take your kids if you, if you go, um, if you deploy, if you're deployed, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, um, but, you know, they let me stay. So <laughs> well, oh, wow. it worked out. <laughs> so did he eventually join you in the Azores? Yeah. Like what happened? Yes, there? he did. Did did. he enjoy it? Did he, does he remember? He He does. Okay. Yeah. We have pictures from the Azores. You know, he, um, got to see, you know, what's wonderful about being, you know, in the military, as far as being a dependent is that you get to see places that a lot of kids only get to read about or see Mm -hmm. on TV. And so, you know, we were places that, you know, he got to see things that a lot of kids his age would have would never see. So they even care to. When you move from station to station, do, do you also have that thing where you have to go first? No. So when you yeah. leave, you take your your family with you. You all, everyone leaves together, and you'll stay in what's called temporary housing until you can get established either on base or off base. So, so tell us about deploying. Where did you get an opportunity to deploy as well, or were because you were communications based? That was your, you know, that was your assignment. Um, you know, was that used in deployments or? Were you more like I, I got to stay stateside or wherever they had you at your for your for your duty station? Well, I almost had I had orders for so I was in during Desert uh, Desert Storm. Okay, and 
you know, I, I had orders and then they, for whatever reason were, um, canceled, but because of my job, I wasn't in any kind of emergency type of, you know, where you need to go to someplace and, and lay down, you know, um, submit or whatever for a, a landing strip and all this other stuff. I, you know, my job was not that important, but it was important enough that they kept me around <laughs> for a while. Well, you know, it takes all the levels. We always yes. think about the frontline soldiers, but we don't think about, you know, the behind the scenes, especially people like me who, um, now our grandson is military, but that's kind of, the first person that I remember in my family, you know, other than gr- grandparents back in the world wars of knowing much about the modern day military and how it works, you know, it's, it's almost like a corporation, right? It is, you know, you get used to how things work in the military. There's mm-hmm. a system, there's a system for everything. And then what's difficult is you get out of the military and you work for some of these organizations that don't have a system. And you kind of wonder, how are they making it? How do they make money? So to stay you open? like the the, the systematic. <laughs> I'm a workings. I'm a systems girl. I you know show me how it's done. Show me the steps, and then I'll get it done. You just say here, do this, and I don't have a system. It's just going to sit there. And what's because so I don't know how to what, do it. Well, what's the age group of people that like? I know that there's a cutoff for military because, um, right of age. I think that's in all service positions regardless if it's military or, um, you know, cops or uh, fire department. So what what's the cutoff age for people? I think it depends on which service. I think each one's a little bit different. I know that I want to say the Air Force is 36, okay. I believe. However, in the Air Force, there's a waiver for everything. <laughs> oh, wow. Good to know. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, there's a waiver for everything. Knowing, like you didn't, why did you go into the Air Force? It doesn't sound like you had a desire to fly. Why choose the Air Force? Because it, I almost went in the Navy, okay, because I loved they're dress white uniforms. They're just beautiful. Yeah, they are. And my recruiter knew that my dad was Air Force and he kind of said, why don't you just stay in your lane and go Air Force? Oh, you know, Stay and, in I, your lane. Well, wow. he didn't say that exactly. He said, you know, you could be on a boat for six months. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm going in the Air Force. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, thanks yeah. for playing. And um, I, I just needed a, I needed a job. I went in communications general, never, ever, if you have any kids, grandkids, tell them to pick the job they want before they go in. Yes. Even if they have to wait, don't go general anything. Cause they will put, you'll be fixing cars or trucks or whatever. And, um, I was lucky. I got to cross train after so many years and then I went into project management. So within the military, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so did you get a, did you get a degree? I'm because I know that's, that's some, some of the questions that people ask too, especially the midlifers that are out there whose children are deciding, Hey, you know, we want to take this, this road instead of taking the traditional college road. Um, and coming from a place of no military experience at all, you know, what, what did that look like? Well, I think back in the day, having a degree was was a big deal because when I got out the military, even though I had 20 years military service, the first thing out of their mouths were, you know, it was like, well, great, you have 20 years, but where's your degree? And I was like, I'm sorry, I was serving. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know? But now the big thing is, and I'm not going to say degree is ba- a bad thing because it's not, but certifications are huge, like cybersecurity. Those types of gotcha. things are huge. Now, if you want to go to school while you're in the military, they they encourage that. Yeah. You know, mm. they that's what our grandson's doing. He's that. a linguist yes. and a translator. And He's on about his third language. He's going to have some marketable skills when, if he comes out, he may be like you and stay. Um, so when you went in and you thought it was four years, okay, let's, and I want our listeners to understand why we're discussing this today, because we feel like this is a midlife woman with moxie. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and we're also going to talk to her in a bit about you leave the military after 20 years and land in life as a midlife woman, what that was about. But I also want to, make sure we are clear that you're joining back in the seventies. 
that's before there were a lot of women in the military, right? So right. How, what percentage of women of military enrollments were women at that time, would you say? I, I couldn't tell you. I know that the entire population is about 1% of the entire population of the United States actually serve. And wow. that's men and women, 1%. Wow. Yes. I had and no idea. so, yeah. And, um, you know, I didn't think about that going in. I just thought, you know, I'm going to try this. Let's, let's see what happens. So to be and, a female, and this is your story, makes you an extreme minority as far as that. Mm. So you go in as a woman during that time, right out of the gate, what is that like? You walk into this male-dominated world where you met with kindness, where you met with you know, looks of disbelief or you, how were you treated? Well, there were other women there. Thank goodness. You know, there are different squadrons, different, you know, they, they are there. We were most of the time I was maybe one of two women in the office and then one would leave and it would just be me out of how but many I people think, total. Oh, out of, out of our office, I would say 10 or 12 people. Hmm. All men. The exception of me, but I I ran things. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> it's because we it. get it done. I Who ran runs the, the world. They were in charge, but I ran the office. So did they the welcome hardest... you, or were they like, "Oh, here comes another chick"? What was that like walking mm-hmm. in day one? Well, I think the biggest thing that I had to overcome was the the single. So I was a single parent when I went in, mm-hmm. and you know they'd say, "Oh, you you know here's." a single parent and then they roll their eyes going, Oh, here we go. Because we had a bad rap, you know, single parents, you know, weren't all, always at work. They were always gone. Their kid was always sick. You know, is it one thing after the other, mm. after the other. So I had to prove that not only could I be a single parent, but I could do my job mm. and do it well. Mm. And once, once I got that, then when I went to my next duty station, my boss would call the boss at my next station and say, hey, you're getting this person. She's a single parent, but don't worry about her. She's good. She's, she does what she does. And, you know, you're good to go. Well, that helped you so, move up, right? Because because that is a huge, that's a huge blessing when you're moving from different positions within the Air Force and to have that backing is so powerful because then you have, you've laid down the foundation of trust. Yes. Yeah. And I was very lucky in the, the different supervisors I had, yeah. like they were all very, you know, um, we got along well. I think there might've been one that I had an issue male with, but that was not a big deal. Female. <laughs> male. Actually, I had two women supervisors and, um, they were horrible. They were awful because they were trying to be like the men Mm -hmm. because if they were seen as women, so they acted like men, they, you know, they did all of those men things that you're supposed to do instead of just being who they are and being the, you know, the leader that they could be, you know, so the male supervisors, you know, understood what I was going through. They understood that I was good at what I did. So they gave me a lot of leeway in certain areas, Nice, you know. But um, they understood that if if something was due on Thursday, it would be in their basket Wednesday. Nice. Well, let me ask you this, because I know we're going to transition here um, to the midlife space. But before we do that, what is the message that you would send to, because we have all all age audience here. We're we're very much an intergenerational, you know, community. We want to showcase that. What kind of advice would you give the woman that is thinking about entering into the military? Um, and what kind of advice would you give to the woman that is currently active duty? So you got somebody that's coming in and then somebody that's there now. Um, because I want you to speak to those women before we head into the midlife space. So so give them a little word of encouragement or advice or something from from the heart. For some, for a woman who's going in, I would tell her to do her homework. Do not listen to your recruiter because your recruiter is going to just tell you the, they're just going to skim the surface. Talk to someone who's already in the military. 
um, go into, I don't even know if they have, do they still have ROTC in school? Yes. yes. I don't even know if they do. Some do. Yeah. Okay. Start with the ROTC. That's going to give you um, a leg up when you go in. You know, that's where our grandson started. That's mm -hmm. where his interest was cultivated. And you're going to have access to uh, women who are already in, who you can go talk to, find out what their career fields are, ask them about their service. How was it for you? Right now, it's, you know, it's a little dangerous for women because of the incidences of happening of, you know, sexual harassment and, you know, military sexual trauma and that thing. You know, you, they have to know about that. Your recruiter's not going to tell you about that. Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, if you go in, do your homework. Find a battle buddy when you get in, you know, when you go to that first duty station, you know, find that person that you're friends with and you guys go everywhere together, like your peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> you know, you can have peanut butter without the jelly or jelly without the peanut butter, but it's totally awesome together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. With a little bit of Dorito <laughs> chips in the middle. It's all good. Mm. <laughs> so is that you know, for safety from a safety perspective, yes. you're saying? Yes. Because, you know, it, it's really bad when, you know, you're, you know, you're one team, you're all wearing the same uniform, you all have the same mission, but when the enemy's wearing the same uniform as you, That's right. it's a little hard to, to recognize who they are. Mm -hmm. So always, you know, protect yourself at, at all costs, you know, take, have a battle buddy, you know, take, you know, do whatever you can to keep yourself safe. Just say, oh, yeah, they're my friends. Yeah, sort of, maybe, but. You know, well, say that, like, I'm a midlife woman. Um, my youngest child is um, 19 now. He's a male. But say we have, you know, a, you know, newly adult females that are considering the military. What would we as parents want to ask them? What kind mm. of things can we say that allows them to, because, you know, if we start getting in their business, yeah. how that's going to go down without telling them what to do, what kind of questions can we ask them to make sure that they're making the best decision for themselves? And how do we, like, I'm not going to lie, that would be scary for me as a parent. I would find out, ask them, you know, if they say, yeah, well, I'm thinking about going in the military, ask them what service. Yeah. Ask them why they picked that one. Ask them what kind of job do they want to do? And why they picked that job. What do they hope, what are they hoping to accomplish, you know, by, by going in that service and doing that job? And, and then finally ask them, is this going to make you happy? Is this what you really want to do? Yeah. You know, that's a great one because that ties into what we say to our children, irregardless of the military, we say, right. do, we don't ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? We say, what kind of life do you want? And yes. then find a job that fits into that fits life. So that, yeah. I love that you're going with that. So I want to go back to something you were alluding to. And I just want you to talk about your time in the military as a female, because I think part of being in this midlife space, a desire to understand ourselves better and those around us better. And this is not something that I would have said that I could understand the plight of a woman who had spent 20 years in the military. I wouldn't have no idea what your life looked like. So tell us about your life, you know, how it really looked. Did you feel respected? Were you assaulted, abused? Were, you know, what was life like for you over that 20 years? Well, you know, when people think about the service, they, I, and I don't know if it's something they've seen on TV. They just think it's this, this totally different life. It's like any other job. I walked in at 7.30 in my uniform. I did my job. I left at 4.30. My weekends were off. Holidays were off. Yeah. You know, it, it's like a regular job. The only difference between what I do and what someone else does in a nine to five is that, you know, I have to put my life on the line if need be. So you could have jerk, been jerked out of this seven to five or nine no. to five-ness at oh, any yeah. moment. If, at any moment. I mean, if there's any kind of conflict, they're like, hey, um, you've got orders to go here. Yep. Be ready in 48 hours yep. to go. How did that feel as a single parent? It's scary, but I knew that my son was very close to my parents, to his grandparents, you know, it wasn't, oh, let's go see Nana, you know, every two or three years, whatever they, you know, he would go there for summers. He, him and my little brother, Tony were very, very close from a very early age. 
So for him to go there was, you know, wasn't, you know, so it was you harder had a lot on me than it was on him. Right, right. <laughs> you're you're the one over there crying, crying your eyes out, you know, in your cereal exactly. bowl and you're like, he'll be fine. Yeah, I, I get he'll you, be okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and my time in the military, I, I had to reflect back because, you know, when all of these sexual assaults and, and military sexual traumas were coming, were bubbling up. Yeah. And my husband looked at me because my husband's a veteran too. And he said, did you ever have to go through that? And I said, no, it never happened. And I don't know why my husband's like, well, you know, it's the way you carry yourself. It's this. And I go, is it though? You know, I, I don't not, and I'm not saying I wanted this to happen. Don't get me wrong. I'm just trying to figure out, you know, what it was that, that, that I had that made, I don't know. It, it's, it's hard to, I never had to deal with it. Yeah. I did have to deal with, you know, someone who was looking over my shoulder, you know, and they were a little too close and I kind of turned around. I said, do you mind backing up just a little bit? <laughs> back it and, up. Um, back it up, Terry. Back it up. <laughs> and they never, and I, I think it was my way of being able to get my point across without being rude. Well, you were protecting your space. Well, it- I think it, Yes. But I, I think also being a single parent, because I had to grow up very fast, Right, that you have to grow up enough to be able to speak out on your child's behalf. Mm-hmm. And so learning that made me well, and you, speak up about myself too. Like you right. said, you went in a little bit later. You had seen some life mm-hmm. before you went in. Maybe that was helpful, but I just want to be clear. We're not saying these things don't happen. We're just saying oh, right. you did not have to. And perhaps that had to do with where you were stationed. Or it could have been a myriad of things. I mean, it, it, mm-hmm. there's so many different reasons why mm-hmm. I, I actually have um, – about, I would say about five or six years, maybe even longer now, maybe about eight years now, um, I had a gal who came out of the military and she had to go back um, for a huge court date because there was that stuff going on and it was it, it was just a wreck. I mean, she was mm-hmm. trying to tell me about it, but she couldn't, couldn't tell me too much because she was still involved in this whole thing. And uh, I, I will tell you, I just felt horrible for her. And and so there's some, you know, just like with any kind of job, right? Yeah, it happens. You have, you have good and you have bad. And and then, we just want to make sure the systems yeah. don't support these things. C- correct. But, correct. Kat, did you have any other kind of traumas or anything negative happen to you based on being a woman? Or overall, did you have a really good military experience? I had a great military experience. And, you know, other than maybe some personal relationships that weren't all that good, <laughs> you That's know, learning as I go. Wait, wait, does, is that, is that like a thing in the military though? Like, is that a known thing that you just kind of have these interesting experiences in relationships? It seems like everybody's trying to date everybody. <laughs> Like well, college. You, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because you, you date another military person because they understand if you say, Hey, I have to go TDY temporary duty. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, I get it. You know, Oh, I have to go to work from, you know, um, midnight to, to 5 AM. You're like, okay, I get it. You know, Oh, we're doing this exercise. We got to do, okay, I get it. You know, you understand. Whereas if you date someone who's not in the military, you're like, yeah, I'm working from, you know, 12 AM to, and they're like, yeah, no one works at that time. Or that I can't tell you that. Like, if you're not in the military and your spouse can't tell you a lot of things, that would seem weird actually, and abnormal for a lot of it's, people. It's so much better when they don't tell you. Uh, I think, and and Kat, you can, you know, speak on this. Okay, come on, Christina. If if Kevin Massey rolled in the door and said. These things happen today, but I can't tell you about them. You would rip his lungs out. Well, and and I do like, because my son is in the military. And so there's some things that he just can't tell me. And I Mm -hmm. am over here like racking my brain, but then I have to go, okay, wait a minute. God is protecting me so that I don't continue to go into 50 million directions. It's protecting our country too, but I think you have to be the right Mm -hmm. spouse to be able to handle not knowing where your person is. 
Yes. I mean, yeah, yeah. My friend who's husband. They're also protecting the spouse too. Right. Yeah, you know, because the the less you know, because, you know, you could be, you know, let's say he told you, uh, you know, quite a bit of stuff and then you go to, you know, who you think is a friend. They're like, oh, you know, and then you tell them accidentally because you're stressed out about it. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's these little bits of information that, our so-called enemies can use against us yes. and, and, and use. So yeah, you have to be careful, especially on social media as well. I noticed oh, that, yes. that's a huge deal and you might not have had to deal with that too much. Um, you know, but now it's like a thing. If you are on any of the groups, cause they have different groups for different uh, branches and you can't, you can't post yeah, anything. Careful. Yeah. You, you, well, like I like, had a friend whose husband yeah. was a pilot and he would deploy for 90 days and she had no idea where he was on the mm-hmm. planet. I'm just saying, you know, it takes a special kind of spouse to be okay with that and to be able to handle that. So I could see why dating inside the military would be more appealing than frankly, just having to try to explain it and deal with it all. I mean, like all those um, and acrostics and acronyms you guys use. I, I oh, can't gosh. keep up with <laughs> what those, those things acronyms mean. Acronyms are horrible. I'm, they give you a booklet. You know, when they give you a booklet that tells you all the different all the acronyms. acronyms, and I have to go through the stupid booklet to figure out what is my son saying to me because you're talking a different language. Like I have no idea. Um, so, so your husband is military or ex-military. What yes. what branch? He was Air Force too. So did you guys know each other from the Air Force? Were you guys in tech school together? Like how how did that come about? We met accidentally at Offutt Air Force Base. It was totally by accident. And, um, you know, but he was in intelligence. So he had to have a... I know. Top secret. I, I got excited. SBI, SBI, or something. Wham-a, you know, wham-a, something. Boy, yeah. yeah. We, we want to talk to him next. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us all yeah. the secrets. No. I, but I'm he, thinking, how if you're married to a man who has a top secret clearance like that, you know, do you ever feel like if your husband did something, you'd find out about it because you're such a good detective? Are you that kind of wife? I know Christine is. And I'm thinking, if I was married to a man with a very top secret clearance. I would feel like I might be outnumbered. I might be outgunned on the intelligence of of finding out anything you did. <laughs> no, because I had a top secret too. So <laughs> oh, they were they, they were this like, oh movie. yeah, yeah. They're like, what did you? What was your top secret today? He's like, I'll tell you mine if you tell me yours. Oh my gosh, the, the pillow talk must have been on point, girl. Um, <laughs> but honestly, you know, when you leave the office, when you're in the military, and you go home, you're you're a person. Yeah. You know, you take the uniform off and you're just like, Hey, how's your day? Oh, great. Blah, blah, blah. You know? And, and you do regular normal things. And you guys were stationed together or, or no, not at all. We were both, we were both stationed at off at air force base. And then after we got married shortly after that, he got out of the service Mm, Okay, and then I stayed in. How was that? I'm sorry, Gail. I know. I, I just want to know, like, how was that? How did that work in your, in your guys' marriage? Like, it was good. You know, I, I think the biggest test to our marriage was when I had to go to Korea for a year by myself. Whoa. And my husband and our, my follow on assignment was to Charleston Air Force Base. Oh. And this is, I got there and they had just gotten internet just before I got there. Because <laughs> I remember. Oh, I remember asking my husband, I'm like, are you going to write me? He goes like, oh yeah. You know? And then he found it. He goes, I'm so glad you have internet. I never would have written letters. I'm like, you suck. (laughs) You're like, I thought we were going to be like this love letter pen pal, you know, back in world war one kind of thing. And you just killed the dream, dude. You killed it. Thanks. Absolutely. Uh, So speaking (laughs) <laughs> from a woman who wrote it out the 20 years. Was that a good decision for your life? And how did it shape your life to be, a, you know, a full on, you did the whole thing. You did an entire career in the military. How did that shape you as a woman? And was it, was that the right decision for you? Yes, it was the right decision only because 
I told myself that once I got my son off to college that I was going to get out. Well, I didn't do the math. Okay. Math was never my forte. <laughs> either. It's and not mine either. I, not mine. You know, I, I, he went off to college and then I'm like, yes. And I remember calling my dad because I was at that 15 year mark. Okay. And I called my dad and I said, dad, he said, they have a 15 year. And I got the word re of retirement out. I went re, he goes, no. I go tired. He goes, no. I said, mint. He goes, no. I go retirement. He goes, no. Yep. He goes, stay Same. in and get your full pension. That's right. He'd already done it. And it's not what I wanted to hear, but I did it anyway. And I'm so glad I did because I was able to um, get my retire pay because now you have to wait until your retirement age to get your retire pay. And it really helped me and my husband um, buy three houses because we get our, our um, VA benefit to be able to um, buy a house without putting any money down, mm -hmm. which has helped a great deal. And in, in, in hindsight, it, it was the best thing that it was one of the best decisions I ever made that and meeting my husband and not meeting him, but marrying him. <laughs> so <laughs> fast forward those 20 years and it's time to, because uh, let me, let me preface it with this. How much of your time did you spend living on base versus off base? Because that's a different experience, right? On base is different than off base. You can live in base housing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let me say this. It's not the Ritz. It's not, you know, three bedroom, two and a half bath, you know, full kitchen. It's, it's your basic. Yes. It's your basic. And you're, and they're all next to each other. So you have a unit, you have four units. A, B, C, D, and then a sidewalk, and then <laughs> four more units. And they're all they're the not same. glamorous. Yes. They're not glamorous, but it's free. And when I met my husband and we got married, we said, you know, let's move off base, which is what we did. And we got what was called a basic allowance yeah. for quarters. The BAH. <laughs> the, yeah. And um, it was great. It was great. You know, they pay you to, to live off base. I'm like, Hey, okay. Yep. I'm okay. I'm okay with it. So it, you know, it was just, um, living on base for it. It just depends on your situation. You know, if as a single person living in the dorm, probably the best thing you can do, there's no rent. You can, you know, do what you want to do. You know, you can go to the chow hall to eat for free, right. you know, so your money is your money. You know, if your situation is your, you know, a parent with kids, you might want to live on base because it, it's just safer. Well, and, and there's then, a community there, right? Like you yeah. said. Yes. Yeah. yes. I know talking to other women who were just military wives, you know, the, the bond they have to help care for each other's children. And yes. it's just something that I did not see in the outside world. So where I was going with that is when your 20 years were up and you landed in civilian world, how acclimated were you to civilian life? And were you, did yeah, it seem about, odd? What was that like? Talk about the transition. Yeah. Because you're, you're in your early 40s at that time mm -hmm. and you're landing out in middle well, America. La La Land. Yeah, and, and, and we're, we're transitioning not just from workspace, but we're also transitioning to home, home space as well. Um, and being, being probably more there too. Um, so what did that look like? What was the transition? Well, the funny part of this is I never thought that I would be anything but successful. And what I mean by that is the military thinks that they give you everything you possibly need to make it on the outside. So I walk out and I have my DD-214 in my hand and I'm expecting balloons and music and bands and, and companies <laughs> wanting to throw you know, I, I always tell people, I felt like I was a first round draft pick, you know, in sports. She's like, like, oh, pick us, pick us. Right. who exactly. will get her? And I walked out there and there was no music. There's no balloons. There's no bands. And I looked at my watch. I'm like, do I have the right day? <laughs> you know? And I walked out the door and dropped off the cliff. I, I just, mm. I couldn't get my feet on the mm. ground. And I thought, what is this crap? 
And so when you're not around other veterans, we were in Massachusetts at the time. And I thought, I'm sorry, we were in South Carolina at the time. And I thought, okay, this must, it's, it's me. Something's wrong with me because back then, and I, you know, I got out of the military over 21 years ago, LinkedIn was barely just beginning. So there weren't all these organizations that want to help veterans. There weren't all these face group, Facebook it groups. It wasn't cool there to was help not, a veteran. Yeah. Yeah. There was USA Jobs, LinkedIn, and something else, you know, oh, how to write your resume, that type of thing. And I finally got my feet on the ground, not in project management, which is what I wanted, because they were the ones who told me that even though I had 20 years, I needed a degree. Mm. And I'd always put one foot in the fitness arena. So as a personal trainer and Pilates instructor, I said, well, let me see if I can make this work. And I, you know, talked to my husband. He said, I got your back, you know, do what you got to do. And I was successful in that. But I, the whole time that I was out, I kept thinking, where are the other women veterans? Where are they? Mm. And I never was one, you know, I didn't say, Hey, I'm a veteran. I'm over here. And then nine 11 hit. And I thought, why am, why am I staying quiet? Why am I not putting my veteran status out there? And the reason for that was what brought that up was, you know, during that whole time, there was a vendor outside a grocery store and my husband and I walk in the store and he said, do you want to buy a flag? Cause everyone had these little flags on their cars. If you, I don't know if you remember that or not, but they had all these little flags and he said, do you want to buy a flag? You know? And I said, no, thank you. He goes, well, what have you done for your country? And I said, I did 20 years for my country. And he just looked at me and I turned and, and left. And then I asked my husband, I said, should we buy a flag? He goes, we don't have to prove anything. We have mm. already proven that we have served our country by wearing the uniform. Well, and, and was that man who was selling you the flag going to do the same thing? Or had he done the same thing? You know, I just don't like it when people do that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you better shut your face. Like, it makes me <laughs> angry when people disrespect our veterans. <laughs> makes me so angry. I'm like, you wouldn't be out there. You wouldn't put your life on the line. Well, they, they don't know because the, the face of veterans, and this is the fight I'm fighting now is, you know, I, so I, I'm declaring my veteran status loud and clear. We moved to North Carolina. I start to go to networking events and they're all male dominated. Like mm -hmm. out of a hundred people, 97 of them would be men and three would be women. And I thought, what is wrong with this picture? Which is how I got into the women veterans network. But then also it was just this attitude of civilians who wanted to confront me because I didn't look like the veteran that I was supposed to. Now don't ask me what that's supposed to look like, cause I don't know, but there's a grocery store here where it's veteran parking. It doesn't say disabled veteran, doesn't say male veteran. It just says veteran. And you pull in there and I've had people confront me about, you know, you know, oh, don't, you know, just because you're driving your husband's car doesn't mean you can park there. You know? Oh, no, that oh, didn't. Oh, see, yes, Kat, yeah. I would have to kind of be. nostrils are flaring. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know when I get mad because they do, they go, they, like, you can stick a quarter up there because I am like, you better, you better shut your face. I will. Mm, I do not but like it, that. It's really, yeah. but it's really difficult. And it's usually people who have never worn the uniform mm -hmm. who do that. And I'll say, and I told this guy, I said, obviously you haven't worn the uniform. He goes, oh, well, you know, no, but my grandfather did and blah, blah, blah. You know, they're the ones who always want to confront me being a veteran or I have to prove my veteran status. And so, you know, my fight today is actually just making women veterans more visible. And I think they have yes. to be more visible in local news. Because if you watch, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm a challenge everybody, Veterans Day is Thursday. I want you to watch your local news. Now, some states are great at this, Texas being one, because they just, they revere their, their veterans. They do everything for their veterans. But I want you to count how many times a woman veteran is actually um, interviewed or recognized. That's it. Yep. And I'll bet you it's anywhere from zero to one. <laughs> You're right. No, uh, you are absolutely right. I have every every news feed that I see, it's never a woman talking. It's always a man. 
And yes. and I I just think that for a lot of a lot of these women who are coming out of the military, I, I loved your transition story and I loved where you found the need to fill it with I'm gonna make this platform noticeable now. I want to normalize the conversation, which is what we're doing here at Midlife Moxie, is normalizing conversations and stories and pivotal stories. And so what's something, what's the message for the woman that's leaving the military now? You know, either they're retiring or their four-year, six-year contract is up. They have decided, I'm going to go and live in civilian world. What is the number one thing you would want them to do? Get connected to veteran service organizations that can help them with their transition. And also to know what it is you want to do before you get out. Because mm -hmm. a lot of veterans, men and women, don't know who they are outside of the uniform. They don't know what their interests are. They don't know what they're going to do job-wise. You know, they've just always identified wearing the uniform. Who are you? When you're not you wearing the uniform, so do you? What feel, do you want to do? Do you feel like the military might even, if if you went in and you had no idea what you wanted to do, and then you come out and you have no idea that what you wanted to do, do you feel like it kind of stumps people's growth process? I I think it's almost like a wall. You know, you, you walk out, you know, you're, you're walking, you're walking, and then all of a sudden you see this wall and you're like, holy crap, what am I, why is this here? The, the great thing about veterans is that we're, we're unstoppable and we're trying to figure out, okay, can I get over it? Can I get around it? Can I get under it? How do I get through over around this wall? We don't, we, you know, we just don't say, Oh crap, there's a wall. And you turn around and go back. We're that trying resilience. to figure it out. The resilience, yes. Well, Kat, how do we as midlife women, as society, how do we show better respect for our vets? Mm, how do we love yes. you better? How do we support you better? How do we include you? How do we approach you? How do we honor you? Oh, that's such an awesome question. I think the one thing is when you meet a couple. And the male counterpart says, we are military or we are retired military. Just assume that the woman served. Make that mistake. Because if you're wrong, it's okay. She can say, oh, I didn't serve what my husband did. And nine times out of 10, yes, she did serve because she that's, was a military spouse. That's right. <laughs> can you say it again? That is so true. I, I Again, that's a pet peeve of mine. If If your son or daughter serves you serve too because your son and daughter is on the front lines. Um, it's the same thing. I, I, I feel like you just got to show the respect. Right. Well, and, and I just and can't imagine being dumped out at midlife. You're dumped out from everything you've known for 20 years. Even the way you shopped, the way you traveled, the, the way you were insured, the way you banked, the way yes. you wore. Um yes. After 20 years, you're dumped out, a midlife woman, which is already an interesting time, to say the least. Um, what should we, as other, as your sisters on this planet, what should we look for to determine if a woman might be struggling or, or might mm. need us in some way? What can we do? What can we look for? How can we help? It's, it's difficult. And I'll tell you why, because women veterans, you know, it's hard for us to ask for help. We're women veterans. We wore the uniform. We did one of the hardest jobs ever. And then to have to turn around and say, I need help is really difficult for us. And so as, you know, someone who hasn't been in the service or around military, you know, to me, you know, to you, I might look like I'm doing fantastic. But really underneath, I've got depression or mm -hmm. I've got PTSD or, and, and, you know, today's a good day. So you're like, oh, yeah, she was fine. So it's hard to, it's hard to determine that. The way that, that civilians can help is just recognize when someone says something military or not even say something military, but they might say something that refers to the military and say, oh, wow, did you serve? 
And here's one of my pet peeves too. People always say, oh, thank you for your service. And it's almost like it's, it's dismissed. You know what I mean? It sounds very dismissive to me. I would much rather you say, thank you so much for wearing the uniform because not everybody does. Only 1% does. So instead Ooh, of saying, so I you know, made that mistake of thanking people for their service. I've taught mm-hmm. my children to do that. We've sent cookies over to the mm-hmm. next table of soldiers in a restaurant. So, mm-hmm. and it's not that it's bad. Don't get me wrong. That's just not the best you language know, you're saying. But it's, it's not, it's, it's kind of like, you know, like if you go to a funeral and you say, you know, sorry about your loss, you don't know the person, but you don't know what else to say. You know what I mean? It or seems you, trite, you're saying. Yes. And, and if you, you know, if you say, th- if, you know, if you have time, you know, if you're standing in line talking to this person, you know, ask them about their, oh, what branch? Okay, good. You know, that was my next question. You serve? Do you want us you to know? ask you about your yes. service? Yes. yes. If you ask the question, they will tell you. They just don't blurb it out. Oh, I did, 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 did. you know, you've gone through 20 years of service, you know, and you're like, oh my God, I will never talk to that person again. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I, I love that you that you said about the thanking you for your service because my son, he says the same thing. He's like, it's so like just people say that when I'm in my uniform and it's just like, okay. You, you know, there's no depth to the conversation. Yeah. So it's it's very dismissive and it it's very shallow. It is. And so when I when I say that, you know, thank you for your service, I take a I take this second step and I say, What branch are you in? I appreciate mm-hmm. it. My son is in, you know, just to show some commonality and some courtesy of mm-hmm. we appreciate you. We appreciate Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and I even reach back when I see someone who has a, a Vietnam veteran hat on, Yes, you know, and I'll go up and talk to them and, and, you know, thank them for, you know, cause my dad went to Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So I understand what, what that felt like at that time. That was a different way. I mean, <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, gosh, our time has come to an end. Can we ask you a few rapid fire questions Ooh, to close I'm excited. up? I'm excited. Are absolutely. Like one word, Bring it one on. sentence. Bring it on. Bring it on. I'm going to go really first. Quickly. I'm going first. Please I'm do before first. you bust the screen. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Okay. Redman, did you like it or were you like terrified? I liked it. Nice. Okay. Gail's like, what's Redman? <laughs> You're in a suit and you have to like kick the red man's butt or you don't pass. (laughs) That's right up Christina's alley. Um, Favorite thing of having been in the military. Say that one again. Your favorite thing of having been in the military. Seeing all the different places that I got to go to hmm. and eating the food and being and speaking the languages or trying to. <laughs> and follow up to that, were you treated well in those countries? Yes. Yes. And here's the thing. If, if you try to speak the language and you muck it up, they love that because you're trying Girl, I to speak English, their language. So, you know, <laughs> let's just, I mean, have you heard this accent? <laughs> She says important with a D, it's important. y'all. Oh, now it's important. Important. <laughs> exactly. You say important. No, I that said is important. Important. You say those words, though, sometimes where you put the syllable break in the weird place. So shut up. Shut up, homie. Okay, what's your next one? Okay, next one. Next one is um, uh, how many languages do you speak? One. Okay. <laughs> English. I used to be able to speak German. I can still count to 10 in German, but German was, was fairly easy to pick up. My husband, or not my husband, but my son could actually speak Turkish. Not anymore, but mm. he used to be able to speak Turkish because wow. they would, they would teach you. They would have an English Turkish dance, uh, uh, school time. That's so cool. they got to learn the language. That's really cool. Okay. Most yes. badass thing you did while in the military. The mo- oh my gosh, the most, oh, that's hard. That's really hard. 
give us a couple. Did you jump out of a plane? Oh, no. Did you shoot some cool guns? No. Well, you have to shoot. This interview has just gone downhill all of a sudden. Yeah. Wait, wait. But, okay, the gas chamber. You had to do the gas chamber. Yes. So that was pretty bad to do that. Yes, yeah. that was that was. I did get a, a perfect score on the M16 <gasps> that I had to shoot, so I did good get job. that. Look at you, really sniper cat. Yeah, good job. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's badass though. I think it's it's just I had to qualify. So. Cat, <laughs> come no. on. Yeah, we we can't even hit the target. The last thing I shot was probably my Daisy Red Rider, and when I was twelve, so that's pretty badass in my world. Well, I okay. Here's one. Okay, I don't know if it's considered badass, but we'll I had tell this you. Pro, I I had this program that we were going to be the communications backup. Um, to NORAD. So if you've never heard of NORAD, it's in, in Colorado Springs. Okay. And it was my program. And my boss came up and he said, you know, you're going to, um, your program's being recognized by this, it was either two, two or three star general. He goes, but well, we're going to get this lieutenant to, you know, uh, present your program. And I was like, no. So I fought for it. And I got the opportunity to go. I was the lowest ranking person in the room. So you stand up on this podium and they're down on this days, like they're down there and you're looking down at them. So it's this two star, three star general. He's got three Fulber cronies on either side. Oh, wow. Okay. So my voice is shaking. I give my, my little spiel and I said, are there any questions? And these, and these crows like, well, what about this? And the general goes, I'll answer that. And he, and then I said, okay. I said, any more questions? And they're like, what about that? He goes, nope, I'm going to answer that too. They shut up. I said, are there any more questions? They did again. He goes, nope, I'm going to answer that too. And then I said, are there any questions? And they didn't say anything. And he goes, Sergeant, that was one of the best briefings I've ever had. Thank you very much. And I was the only female in the room. Oh, <laughs> look at you. Amazing, that's an amazing story. I love that. Good job, girl. I'm loving it. So, Kat, I know you're doing work, Sisters in Service. Really Mm -hmm. quick, tell our viewers about that and how they can support you in this. Tell us about it. Sure. You know, Sisters in Service is that platform to talk about the things that happen to women veterans in service and out of service, but it also includes military brats, military spouses, um, Blue Star, Gold Star families, and veteran service organizations that do things that help veterans throughout their entire career up through transition. And it's, it's just a place for, you know, for women to talk about it because there isn't a place to talk about those types of things. And I also revere women veterans who have become business owners. And so I will shout out their business. They'll come on my show. They get to talk about their business and what they're doing. Um, it's on all types of platforms. I hope that you'll follow me. You'll share. And, um, you know, just take a listen and, and see, see so what So the think. podcast is yeah, called Sisters name. in Service. Sisters in Service. And yes. do you have a website? Um, I do. It's if you go to podpage.com and then sisters-in-service. And all of them will pop up right there. And what needs do you have in this effort to support these? Do you need donations? Do you need support? What do you need? Um, you know, I'm just, I'm looking to, um, expand next year. So, um, I'm always looking for guests who have a story, you know, who have, you know, it doesn't have to be a bad story. It can be a good story, but you know, they do like, I just, in um, interviewed someone who, um, trains service dogs for, for veterans, you know, and she's a female. And I was like, let's do this. I love dogs. I, you know, I love Dogs it. are my thing. <laughs> I love what you're doing, Kat. And I love that the military made you who you are today and that you're giving back and serving in that. I, I'm glad that we could share your story because it's, it's not every day we get to talk to someone who did the 20 years. So I will say, I'm not going to say the trap phrase. I'm going to say I'm in awe of your service. Oh, I appreciate it. You. I thank would not you. have had the guts, just not going to lie. So, because the minute you sign that line, you know, it could mean 
given your life for this. And I don't think yes. any of us can say that, that we've given our life for a job. So we right. really appreciate you taking the time to be with us here today and share your story. I think you're a midlife woman who's definitely found her moxie and helping others to find theirs. So we're going to wrap it up with a word from our partners. Christina, what you got? We got boobs. <laughs> no, we, well, we all have boobs, I guess. And some places and all of that great stuff. So uh, Boobalicious. Boobalicious is our sponsor. And you can find all of their lovely products for your girls and also for your lady parts at loveboobaliciousproducts.com. That's L-U-V, boobaliciousproducts.com. And you can use the code MOXIE, M-O-X. I-E, and get some of your fresh and so clean Boobalicious products. You know what else we have? What else? My favorite thing. Shoes. Let's talk about shoes. Would you like to have cute and comfortable shoes designed by a woman with little pillow pads inserted to make them comfortable to actually wear? We'll look no further Walking Cradles is here. So if you go to www.walkingcradles.com slash moxie and you put in the code word moxie20, you get to save 20% off any of their full price styles. And a little hint, it's fall. They're getting some new styles in. Still got time to get them in if this airs before Christmas. We'll try. But any time of the year, y'all, they have styles all year long. And for a range of sizes, I believe it's four to 13 and all widths. So if you've had trouble finding shoes that fit, that are cute, that are comfy, make sure to go to walkingcradles.com slash moxie, use the code word moxie20 and save 20% on some great shoes. Well, we've had a great time talking with you today, Kat. Again, you are appreciated. So glad to have you doing the work and as a midlife sister. So, Christina, until our next episode, what do we say? Go and get your moxie on. Bye now. <laughs>